have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. It's amazing how far water will travel once it enters someplace on the roof. It, it, it's always surprised me. It's rare that you find a leak exactly where a hole may be or where there's a bad shingle, for example. So my, my guess is if you continue to fight this and you know your basement is dry, uh, that you've got a, a, a problem elsewhere. It's either from a plumbing line or it's coming from that roof. And since you know you have some roof problems, I'd venture to say when you re-roof that house, you're going to find the source and you're going to eliminate this. Do you have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here to help you with your questions about your home inside or out. You can reach him at 800-614-2975. It's 800-614-2975. You can also post your questions at his website. That's KenTheContractor.com. We're going to deal with one of those little bothersome questions that people get quite a bit these days. Extended warranties, Ken, are something that can be offered to you on everything from electronic equipment to automobiles. But one of the ones that you're going to deal with are appliances. And I'd be willing to bet that some folks don't often think about it in that particular situation because when you buy an appliance, you think in most cases it's going to be years before you'd have to worry about replacing it. You know, and in most cases that's true with today's technology. I expect there's some of you out there still operating a washer or maybe a dryer that you purchased 15, 18, 20 years ago. This may hold true for a range or a refrigerator or a freezer. Fortunately, there are some things we can purchase that have a tendency to just last a long, long time. They do their job and they do it well. One of the things, though, that I have talked about occasionally for those of you that are operating these 20-year-old appliances is that you may want to think about the energy efficiency of it because that has changed drastically in the last two decades. Not encouraging you to rush out and spend money that you don't need to spend, but that is the, I guess, the plus side, even though appliances tend to last a long time, that we do develop and we continue to develop that technology that makes them do more and do it with less energy. Let's talk a little bit about that. All of you listening to uh, to talk radio and to the stations you have us on at this point, I'm sure are tuned in occasionally to Clark Howard, to Kim Commando, and they have differing opinions when it comes to automobile warranties and computers and on your iPod, your cell phones, those type items. One of the things that they rarely talk about and others rarely talk about have to do with your home appliances. And all of us that are in these in our respective fields that deal with this will have differing opinions. I want to qualify a couple of items I'm going to bring up to you today. And first by saying you need to think about how you live and how you treat items in your home, just like your electronics. Do you tend to be a clumsy person? Are you a careless person? Are you one that just is fairly aggressive in using these appliances? Are you somebody that takes a, uh, maybe a little more care and pays a little more attention to them? And I think that has a lot to do with whether we should be buying these warranties and uh, as well as those that cover us when we lose things or drop and damage things as well. That doesn't typically happen with appliances, but think a little bit about what, what we're discussing today in your home. It's not just the washer or the dryer. It's not just the refrigerator or the freezer. Look at the technology that's behind some of these cooktops, some of the ovens that we have, the computer control systems that are in those. And that's where it may be important for many of you to consider an extended warranty. Most appliance items are fairly basic in terms of how they operate. You take a washing machine or take a dryer, there are very few moving parts. Even though you see the drum moving, there are very few moving parts in there. You don't have a massive amount of electronic controls in the basic units. 
but some that are fairly sophisticated. The high ends have a large set of computer chips and push buttons and other things that must interface one with the other. Basically, it's like buying a laptop that's tied to your washer or your dryer. So as you get into these electronics, you get into the same type situation on these ovens today and some of the cooktops and overall ranges. You may want to at least inquire about extended warranties. But the first thing you want to do is find out what is the manufacturer's warranty. What are they covering in that first 90 days? That that uh, it may be 120, it may be six months. In most cases, it's at least a year from reputable manufacturers. And if they are covering this from top to bottom, and the extended warranties that are being offered are only for an additional year, then you have to weigh the cost of that versus the risk. In my experience as a builder, if something's going to go wrong with an appliance, it typically shows up in that manufacturer or contractor's warranty period. It's going to happen usually within the first several weeks to month or so, and sometimes the first time or two that you use it. And I have experienced issues where a product has left the manufacturing center, they failed to put a gasket in, they didn't tighten something, a wire was broken. These things can happen, but they show up right away when these units are first used. So in my experience, most products on the market that contractors are using in and around our homes do not require an extended manufacturer's warranty. I did say that correctly. I don't believe that most of them require you to go out and purchase an extended manufacturer's warranty. It all depends on how you feel about taking a risk. And if you're not in the, wor- in the market for taking any risk whatsoever, we can always buy our way out of risk. And that's what these do. But for most of us, we're going to find that we can buy the product. If there's an issue, it goes, it, it develops within the manufacturer's warranty period. If you're dealing with a reputable company, they stand behind it, make it good, and you go forward from there. Now let's talk for just a moment about some of the higher end items. If you are dealing with uh, KitchenAid, you've got Gen Air, some of these high priced ranges where instead of paying $800, $1,000, you might have three or $4,000 invested in it, and you have massive electronic controls on it. You may want to consider that extended warranty. This is one of the few times that I take exception to my blanket statement. And that's only because of the high price of making the repairs. And this is not something that you take down the road to a service center. Somebody's got to come out to your house and deal with it. So talk to the people you're buying the product from. Talk to your builder about it. Read all the manufacturer's information. See what they tell you they honor. And then make a judgment call on your own. One of the things that Consumer Reports and so many other people recommend that I'm right there in the boat with them, that if an extended warranty costs more than 10% of the product, you probably don't need to be buying it. Clearly, if you're dealing with a manufacturer or you're dealing with a retail facility that is pressuring you into buy one, I would not buy it either. And also, if the if the contract is not available, meaning the piece of paper you're going to get, if you can't review that in great detail before you buy it to know what you're paying for, don't buy it. So those are clearly some don'ts. Now, on the high side, some of the most expensive items out there, you may find warranties, extended warranties that will run up to 20%. Again, that's up to you. You have to gauge your tolerance for risk. But I would never, 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 you heard me say never, Purchase one of these if you're paying more than 20% of the cost of the product for the extended warranty, and especially if it's not covering this thing from top to bottom. So word to the wise, this applies to appliances. Use your own judgment when you're looking at other things, automobile warranties, as well as electronics. So good luck and good shopping. Well, you know, uh, the other one that, that I find interesting uh, that is often very appealing uh, comes with automobiles. 
uh, because you, you look at the, the cost and it can be huge. And I think one of the things that, that you brought up is very important. And that's why I tend to shy away when it comes to vehicles and other things, what I would call the add-ons. I view them as things that can break. And in this day and age, as you talked about, you know, that washer is a little more complex than it was years ago. The basic one is not, but right. some of the others are very complex. Yes, yeah, that's right. And keep in, keep in mind, as long as it works well, it's great. The problem is then when it breaks down, you've got to have somebody who knows how to deal with that technology. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here to take questions about your home, both inside or out. You can reach us at our contact number, where Ken's always available, is 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. This is Ken the Contractor. A house is what you build, a home is what you make it. And Ken Patterson is here to help you make your home all that it can be. You can reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Do you have a home improvement question or simply a project you're trying to take care of this weekend? Ken can help. Give us a call at 800-614-2975. Let's go to the phones right now, and we say hi to Susan. Susan, you're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Hi. I um. I've refurbished older homes. I've, I've taken on some older homes in the Water Street area, Harrisonburg, which is the oldest part of town. Okay. And I've done some others, and I'm currently in an older home. And I'm looking at my last home before I go to the home. And um, <laughs> okay. I, I, would, I just have some questions because it has, the house I'm looking at has a cistern and no other water source. And... Um, of course, I would probably put a well in. But is a cistern, does it have any value in its own right? And what do I have to be cautious of? And then my second question is, this home has been sitting vacant with no heat on, and it has plaster walls, and it um, was built in the early, early 1900s. Okay. What do I have to watch out for there? Those are my two questions. All right, well, let's talk about the cistern first. You asked, does okay. it have any value? If you're going to put a well in or if you're in a situation where you can mm-hmm. tie into city or county water. Not uh, available. Not available. Okay, then the well is clearly your option, uh, right. and unless you want to stay with the cistern. Now, first, I would to say, does it have any value? Is it structurally sound? Have you had it inspected? No. No, haven't done okay. any of that yet. Well, let's make some assumptions. If we assume okay. that it is structurally sound, the walls are not cracked, it's not being crushed by the lateral movement of the soil, the top is, is in good condition, and basically it will retain rainwater or water that you purchase to put in it, then to me it has long-term value, and I tell people this from time to time, using it for other water uh, needs on site around your house, washing your cars, okay. watering your grass, out, right. uh, hosing down outside areas, patios, sidewalks, those things that, that you mm-hmm. might do occasionally. So I would not spend the money to abandon a cistern in the sense of crushing in the top, filling it in, if it is structurally sound, and I can use it as a collection system and reservoir for other things on site. Now, especially if you're going to a well for your water, this will create a lesser impact on your well system uh, in drought periods especially to be able to collect this rainwater and use it in other ways on site. Yeah, okay. So, again, it's just it is a giant rain barrel, and I would okay. use it in that fashion because you're going to spend money to get rid of something that has value. So 
with okay. that with that assumption, I would pursue it in that fashion. Okay. Secondly, you ask about the home itself uh, being closed up for so many years. The ho- a home being built that far back has seen a lot of weather conditions, and it has seen it without air conditioning. It has seen it with limited or no heat, I'm sure, at times in its history. If these plaster walls are currently sound, you're not seeing plaster fall off the wall, the lath is still intact, those type items, I wouldn't be concerned with it. What does happen, though, is if suddenly you go in and you heat any structure, it's been sitting at unconditioned space for years, and you're firing it up, you've got a gas heat especially, which is very warm, and you turn it on and you try and cool this or heat this rapidly, you may find that you create some additional cracking because it's expanding. I mean, you're, okay. you're heating these products very, very rapidly. It's no different than taking a glass container that may be very hot and then putting cold water on it immediately. You're apt to see it crack or break. Right. And what plaster is somewhat brittle. And so if mm-hmm. you're going to heat something up, I would do it over a gradual time period and also you're going to be pulling the moisture out of the timber as well if it's been exposed so those are the only two things i'd be concerned with otherwise have at it and my hat's off to you you obviously are a very uh adventurous person i am and i am and i i just hate to see these beautiful older homes in this area just sit there and deteriorate when they still have so much value and beauty in them you know, there's so many so many places around the country that homes should be saved, buildings should be saved rather than shoved mm-hmm. over. There's a point in time that it's not practical for every time, you know, from environmental as well as economical. But most of these can be salvaged, and the beauty and the type materials and the craftsmanship that are in so many can't be replicated today. Susan, thank you. We do appreciate your call. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget, if you have a question for Ken, it's 800-614-2975. And you can post your questions at KenTheContractor.com. We've got one of those mailbag questions. This is from Cindy in Reading, Pennsylvania, Ken. And she's got a question about uh, some type of inspection. Yes, she does. She says, I'm working with a family. And she's looking to buy a home that's in Reading. Said it hasn't had anyone living in it in four years, similar to the call we just had, and she's looked it up, all the information she can find on the Berks County uh, Register, the courthouse, and so forth. She's also done a visual inspection. She knows she has some roof issues there, and she has the assessed value and other items that's important to her. And what she's saying is this also has a commercial piece attached to it, an outbuilding that's zoned commercially. So now she's looking at both residential and commercial use, and her question boils down to this. Who do I find to check out this structure? And I'm guessing because this is partially commercial and partially residential, there may be a little confusion here. But, Cindy, in most every case, an architect, an engineer, or a licensed home inspector is going to be able to come out and check out each of these structures, tell you what's working, what's deficient, where you need some help. They'll write this into a detailed report. They'll put this, most of them, on a disc today for you. They'll photograph all of it, and they'll provide you with detailed information to take to the seller of the property. Now, what that does is help you with your negotiation. Not only are you looking at trying to buy the property, but you're going to have to put some money back into it to make it usable based on the way you describe it. At least you have some maintenance items to deal with. So this report should help the seller understand that there are these defects that need to be dealt with, whether they do it themselves, whether they do it in approaching another or a future buyer, or whether they resolve it now in dealing with you, it may help you and help them resolve the situation. So my, my first comment to you would be turn to a home inspector They're going, that's licensed in your state and have them come out and make uh, the visual and photographic record 
and written report that you need and move forward from there. If they find anything that's serious or detrimental to the structure, they're going to log that. They're going to note that for you. This may be a piece of property you want to stay away from unless you have deep pockets or you have a tolerance for financial exposure. And that's what you get into with a lot of the old structures that we were just talking about. If you understand how to assess them and you have the right help, they can be a great investment, and you're doing a wonderful job of preserving things in our community. I would assume you don't want to purchase any piece of property, uh, whether it has a structure on it or not, if it's not inspected to one degree or another. I don't. I don't. I, I can't say I never do, but I rarely even buy raw land without an inspection. And we go all the way back to what today the most basic is considered a phase one environmental assessment. And these are reports that take you back into the 1920s, 1930s or so forth. Uh, it goes back, I think, 70, 80 years is the basis of a, a phase one environmental study. But that's just a raw piece of land because you could be buying an old landfill. You could be buying something that had a gas station on it, the 30s and 40s, and there are thousands of gallons of contaminated or uh, a diesel or gasoline that's contaminating the soil. You never know. So as a professional... I spend the money with other professionals, engineers, environmentalists, and so forth, looking at these things before I purchase to know what I'm buying. Now, that doesn't always stop me from buying something if it has an issue, but I know on the front side what I'm buying, how I'm going to have to deal with it, and what kind of money I'm going to invest in this property. Because, unfortunately, the one thing we can't count on is that there is a thorough record of what transpired on that land over the years because the laws have changed. Now, the chances are pretty good you can count on there not being a record. The exception, especially an older property, would be that you have some history to that. If you are purchasing a property from the 1970s forward, you probably can find some public record. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here to help you with your projects this weekend at 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. I'm Joe Britt along with Ken Patterson. Ken the Contractor. Ken is here weekends at this time to answer questions about your home inside or out. A house is what you build. A home is what you make it. Don't forget about our website, KenTheContractor.com. Time for us to bring you our weekly feature on green building. Well, for those of you that are really into green building, not only that, but how about saving a few dollars? If you're doing a little remodeling, maybe a single project, it may be putting a new mantle on the fireplace or adding a mantle. Perhaps you've never had one. You may want to think a little something about using reclaimed materials. This has become big business across the country. There are companies and individuals that go out and buy old structures that are being demolished, and they tear down and salvage usable products such as door casing, door frames, mantles, windows in some cases. You'll find old light fixtures. And if you're into that, especially if you're looking for something that's an older style and very difficult to find in the market today, that you may save anywhere from 30 to 60% on home improvement projects if you're looking at using or think about using reclaimed or refurbished products. Now, Fox Business has done a complete survey on this nationwide, and they're finding, of course, like every Everything else I talk about, it varies from one part of the country to the next. Most communities, especially those of any size today, have salvage yards. And don't think of them as a junkyard because I'll assure you, if you go in there and look at some of the prices, you'll find it's not junk pricing. So if you're thinking a little bit about green building again, consider reclaiming or reusing products that are there. I do want to offer you a little word of caution so you don't leave without thinking about this. And that is one, if you're using any recycled or reclaimed, repurposed product, if you will, especially if it's electrical, Plan on rewiring that item. If it's old chandeliers, old light fixtures, you want to be sure that the wiring is safe. Also, if you're buying products that happen to have paint on them, if they've come from an era prior to the 70s, chances are pretty good there's lead-based paint on those as well. So there are some considerations. A lot of money can be saved. Last item I tell you about this green building segment, if you're considering 
building with used or reclaimed products. Brick, for example, always buy a large percentage more than what you need because when you're dealing with reclaimed products, they're not going to have the same integrity necessarily uh, in terms of each piece that brand new will. It's a good way to save some money. Think green. Our number, 800-614-2975. It's the number Kathleen dialed. She joins us right now. Kathleen, you're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Hi. Yes, thank you for taking my call. I have a quite large home. It's like 2,700 square feet. And our master bedroom is huge, but our bathroom is very small. Our guest bathroom is bigger than that one. <laughs> bigger than the one in the master suite? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's small. It's. I was just trying to walk it out. It's probably only about 10 by... Well, that is small. You're right. No wonder you're calling. Pardon? Say, no wonder you're calling. You need a larger bathroom. I know, and um, I don't know how long I'll be here, but I can see the size of this house. When I sell it, that's going to be the uh, drawback there. Uh, we, it's a custom home, and we made a mistake. <laughs> okay, do you have some options? Do you have space that is that you think would be economical in a direction you could go into in larger bathroom? Well, um, in the middle there, in the middle of that between that bathroom and the next full wall, there's a long walk-in closet, which isn't that great because uh, by the time you get back there. So that could be opened up. And then the laundry room is behind that wall, which is 10 by 10. So I was thinking of making an L. Well, it sounds to me like you have some options. One of the things going for you that's very positive in the area you're talking about is that all of your plumbing lines are going to be centered in and around the space you're thinking about expanding. Right. Now, clearly with the bathroom that small, I'm assuming from the size, you don't have any more than a combination tub shower, the commode, and a lavatory in there. That's all we have. But, because you can't put much more than that in the space you've, you're talking yeah. to me about. It's a tub with a shower, I mean, and it has a little, tiny little laundry uh, linen closet in and it. And if the closet is not beneficial to you, you might want to leave the laundry room alone because if it functions at that size 10 by 10, if it functions well for you and you have other means of either constructing an additional closet in this very large bedroom, you can simply expand into the closet space, redo your bathroom, and utilize or tap into all of the plumbing that's there. That, that's one of the biggest expenses in adding to modifying or building new when it comes to bathroom is getting the sewer and water there. Yeah, I have two other closets in that room, so I don't have to worry about the closet. Well, based on what you describe, if I were you, that's the direction I would be going in, is taking that common wall out to the closet, uh, having an architect, a designer put me a new plan together, one that will also utilize the plumbing in its current locations. Now, is your house built on a basement, a crawl space, or on slab? Basement, okay, basement. so then you have a, a lot of opportunity to access those for the limited movement that you might need or taps uh, for modifying your bathroom. What but, kind of cost are we talking about, you think? Well, you're gonna. It, part of this is going to go to your finishes in that bathroom. Uh, you, you are not going to spend hundreds. You are going to spend several thousand dollars to do this, I will tell you that. And given that you have such a small bathroom in that master suite and additional closets, Regardless of what you spend, chances are pretty good you'll see some reasonable return on that investment. You heard me talk about this in another segment. I was but listening, yeah. Because this is so small, that's going to be a negative to you with a large master bedroom and a house the size that you have. I think you're going in the right direction, even okay. if you're going to have to spend several thousand dollars, as long as you can afford to do that, uh, to expand this bathroom, and you'll get reasonable money back when it comes time to sell. Okay, I was thinking about getting a second because... Um, the rates are so low right now. 
Well, you can either look at second mortgages, but I, you might find it a little easier just to look at a home equity mortgage because if you've oh, got that's an, what I meant. Is yeah, okay, the same thing? yeah, well, they're not exactly the same thing. A home equity line is going to be much easier for you to work with. Some of the banks are waiving appraisal costs on this, even today in today's market. They're coming back. They're starting to to ask for your business again. But I'd be looking for a home equity line of credit uh, that many banks, Stellar One, one of our sponsors, and others offer and uh, see if they can't help you out because you don't have all the strings attached to it that you do when you deal with mortgages, and you can pay that back in a much quicker period of time. Unless you have a higher interest rate now, if you're sitting at at 5.5%, 6%, and you might be able to go get 4 you may want to... You already have? Yeah, under four. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got a good rate if you're under four. So then definitely look at a home equity line and see if you can pay for this in a period that works best for you. Oh, thank you so much. Did it. We appreciate your call. Thanks for listening. Thank Bye-bye. you, Kathleen. 800-614-2975 is the number to dial. And one of the big things right now is, and you've mentioned this before, Shop around and take a look and go to some of these places that particularly specialize. And a lot of them are, uh, are, um, folks who specialize in remodeling kitchens and baths, and they've got technology now where they can take your existing layout, put it into a computer, and give you two, three, four, five different things to look at. So you have some really dramatic choices. Well, with the design systems, the CAD software that's available to designers and contractors today, not only can you see it on paper pretty rapidly, but you can see a 3D image. You can see your bathroom or your kitchen in its finished form, if you have custom pictures or you've got artwork, you, you're hanging in a living room and you're remodeling, that can go into the picture. Your fabric on the upholstery, if you're redoing something, the carpet, the floor covering, the exact product, you can see that in a 3D. It looks like a photograph when it's all said and done. So don't be bashful and don't think you're limited to the old pencil drawings and having to use your imagination. These designers these that do custom work, as Jim's talking about, can put this in a computer system where you're looking at something that has not been constructed yet. You know, and, and that's, if you look at one of the biggest trends we've seen in the last couple of years, much bigger bathrooms. They used to try to sneak as many bathrooms in, even in some cases taking closets out and turning them basically into bathrooms. But now people want space in two rooms in their house, the kitchen and the bathroom. One and number two, as you go through and you look at family room is number three. Those are the areas we live in in the house, and that's what we see across the country. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. Do you have a question about your house inside or out? You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. You can email questions to our website, KenTheContractor.com. And while you're at the website, you can listen to podcasts of recent programs or research in more detail some of the things that we talk about on the air. And don't forget, you can friend us on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow us on Twitter at Ken Answers. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. If you'd like to join us, do you have a question about your home, inside or out? You can reach us at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. That's the number that Shirley dialed. She joins us right now. Let's go back to our phone lines. Hi, Shirley. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Thank you for taking my call. Well, thanks for calling. How can we help you? Um... We are interested in maybe installing one of those heat pumps. We have a gas furnace we've had for 40 years, and a couple years ago we had the coil put in for the air conditioning, and it's only maybe, you know, three or four years old. That's okay. But this furnace has just really bottomed us out with money. The gas is so expensive. Yeah, if it's 40 years old, it doesn't even understand the word efficiency. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Probably. Well, the air con- I mean, the furnace is not that old. We've lived here that long. We've changed it one time about 20 years ago. 
It still doesn't understand the word efficiency <laughs> by today's standards. Well, we're so. thinking about doing this heat pump thing, and we have had so much input that we're just getting aggravated on which is the best brand for the efficiency part. There's so many different brands out there, and we was wondering if you could give us your opinion on what you think would be the most economical brand to buy. Well, I, I'm going to give you some information which will help boggle your mind. Hopefully it, <laughs> hopefully it helps straighten things out a little bit because I'm not hung up on a brand so much as I am information about the particular unit. Uh-huh. Uh, first, I want to ask you, are you familiar with, the, with how a heat pump operates and the temperature of the air that it produces versus your oil heat or gas heat? Not really. Okay, that's one thing I've always cautioned my clients about is if you have grown up or lived for many years with oil heat or gas heat, you're accustomed to a very hot temperature heat coming out the supply registers. And it may well be that it's 115 degrees or something along those lines if you're close to the heat source. But a heat pump is going to produce what I call a cool heat. And that temperature may only be 98, 100, 102 degrees. It could be 10, 15 degrees cooler. Now, it's going to warm the house. It's going to do a very good job. It's going to be extremely energy efficient. But to some people, especially if supply grills are overhead and they're sitting under a supply grill, they're going to say it feels cool in the wintertime. Bars in the floor. Okay. So if you're sitting on top of it, you may still say that, but the temperature difference is very drastic between a gas-fired forced air heat unit versus a heat pump unit. Again, heat pump is extremely energy efficient, but I do want you to understand that difference because I've had people tell me that if that's the case or I've been around them, I really don't like this cooler heat, I'm going to stay with a more modern or install a more modern heat or oil-fired system because those are also very energy efficient today compared to the one that you may have that's 20 years old or some that have older units. I'll tell you what, Shirley. Buy the heat pump and get a sweatshirt. (laughs) (laughs) Trust me, because the money you save will be well worth it. That's what I want to do. Yeah, yeah, because we're in our 60s, and we can't afford this gas anymore. It's either going to be the heat or medicine. Well, and we want you to stay healthy, so you need to keep the medication that the doctor prescribes. And that's an issue for all of us across the country today. And how do we deal with the heat cost uh, of our homes? You you can deal without air conditioning, but it's hard to survive without heat in the winter months. But we've had so so much feedback. Carrier's the best. Hymns the best. Rims the best. Uh, uh, trains the best. You can't work without a train. Well, let, let me tell you, I have purchased all of those units, and what that should say to you as a professional: I don't have a problem with Rim, with Carrier, with York, with Train. Linux. There's so many with Linux. There's so many other brands on the marketplace. What you want to be looking for in terms of your efficiency, you want to look for a SEER rating. That's right. S E E R. Right. The higher that rating the better, the more energy efficient that unit is. And I believe in most states the current code today is going to be at least 13. So you you can't purchase one less than 13. A unit that's 7 to 10 years old is going to be down even in the 10 range probably. But the new ones can't be any less than 13. Right. And you go to 14, 15, you can jump up to probably about a 15, and you still have a single compressor. You, You gain some energy efficiency. When you get into, I believe it may be 16, 17, 18 in that range, you go to dual compressors. Your numbers jump up substantially on those, and it'll take a much longer period to get a payback when you're jumping into that range. These units are now into a SEER rating of over 20. Oh, I heard that, like 2022. Yeah, they're very, very pricey, and it'll take a long, long time to see a payback. To remain your money, return your money you done put out on it. Yeah, and, and for me, and uh, just personally, when I'm buying equipment for my personal use, I'm going as high as I can and staying with the single compressor. Yeah, that's, 
Okay, what's that one? And that's usually, depending on the manufacturer, it's around a 15. Maybe, 15. Maybe a 16. To be on the single one. To be with a single compressor okay. because that's adding a few hundred dollars usually to the system. When yeah. you jump to the dual compressor, you start adding a few thousand dollars uh-huh. to it, okay? Might as well keep the gas. You, you, might, you don't want to do that. You want to, <laughs> As Jim said, you want to get away from the gas, okay? Oh, I do. But look at the SEER rating. The second thing okay. I want to look at is the manufacturer's warranty. You heard me talk earlier. Well, the, the one show. I heard last yesterday evening was 15 years. Is that pretty good? Uh, that would be outstanding, but there, it's not just the word manufacturer's warranty. You want to read and find out what they cover. In some okay. cases, it's compressor only. Some oh. cases, it is labor and material. Others, it's material only. Mm-hmm. Some items are excluded. So you can't assume that they are all equal. Okay. And when I'm looking to spend my money, I'm looking, one, for an energy-efficient unit. That's what all, we're doing. All of the brands you named are well-recognized, well-known manufacturers. Yeah. So then I'm looking at the manufacturer's warranty. Recently purchased a system, I guess last year, that went in my mother's home. And this particular company, and I I don't have a habit of giving brands out, so I won't, but this company not only gave us a very good price on the system, but it has a 10-year, 10-year manufacturer's warranty, labor, and material. Now, that is unheard of in the industry. It's like buying a car. Sometimes you can catch manufacturers when they're running sort of a promotional deal that relates to warranties. And that was that's just unheard of. So I had no choice but to buy this unit, which was very energy efficient, with a 10-year labor and material warranty labor on it. Labor and material, 10-year. So I would be looking at those two items as far as trying to answer your question okay. and stay with any of those name brands you've given to me. Okay. They're all good quality companies. Okay. And 15-tier. Well, yeah, and a, a, a SEER. SEER, I mean SEER. 15-SEER. Uh, and you may, it may vary. One company may stop at 14 before they go to a dual compressor. Yeah. Another may go to 16. But I would ask your supplier, your, your contractor yeah. for a price for each of those. If I'm going to start out with a 14 as a minimum, Sear, how much does it cost if I go to a 15 to a 16 to a 17? It's very easy for yeah. them to give you that price. And it doesn't change the duct work. It doesn't change much more than just the unit. It doesn't change any control wiring or thermostats. Okay. All right, that's one more question. Somebody told us about a big thermostat that you can get and put on your wall that can tell you exactly how much is coming in, how much is going out, and uh, if it's really, really cold outside, like down to 28, that you can turn that outside unit off. Is that smart? You well, have a, you yeah. have something on this uh, uh, thermostat that you can switch off that outside unit because it's running and it's not doing anything because it's under the 32 or 35 that it, it t- cuts into the coils. Yeah, okay, you're talking about on the heating side. Yes, yes. Yeah, most thermostats that go with heat pumps will tell you when the auxiliary heat strip is on. There's typically typically going to be a light of some type that's right. flashing on there, and that will tell you that auxiliary heat strip is kicked in. There's also an emergency backup strip that you manually turn or hit a switch to make that come on, and a second light normally comes on your thermostat. Right. These units are very energy efficient, down into the 30s, maybe even a little less, and once that house is warm, you will rarely see this come on. But a word of, of caution, it does come on when it goes into what's called a defrost cycle, so don't be surprised by that. If you have more questions, give us a call back or contact me on Ken the Contractor, our website. Very good. Surely you can forward any other questions to KenTheContractor.com. We do appreciate your call. Don't forget, you can reach Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or follow up with him online at KenTheContractor.com. You're listening to Ken the Contractor.
You've been listening to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend at this time, Ken the Contractor, Ken Patterson is here taking your calls. Don't forget, you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow him on Twitter at Ken Answers. And if you're looking for home improvement information at any time, go to KenTheContractor.com. 